recording in progress. Thank you, yeah. Um I'm so happy to be here today. I just, it just has come over me. I, I often look at my Rakusu and, and remember that many people saw this and that I'm literally wearing the faith and generosity of other people and that uh, that informs what I can do for Apollon. So I'm feeling that very strongly today. I just the chance to give this talk today is quite extraordinary and I feel really grateful. So that's it. Um, part of Part of what I'm talking about also is motivated by an experience I had this week. Uh, I'm participating in an effort uh, being led by several members of our Sangha here in Austin. Uh, 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 process called appreciative inquiry, uh, of which uh, we have several trained and skilled facilitators in our Sangha, uh, starting with Pei, who's uh, been involved with this as a mode of planning for the future for a long time. And um, I want to talk about what that experience was like and what points to that I can learn about in my own experience and, and, and a feeling of freedom that has come from that as well. But I want to say that there's some, there's some plans for planning for Apamata for the future. And, envision, and that begins with a kind of envisioning. Now, if you've heard any of my previous Dharma talks, I've probably said this half a dozen times. Uh, I am someone who tends to approach life marked by the attachment style that I grew up with. At least this is the belief I have about myself, which I'll talk about some later. But that um, I tend to be avoidant. And when new information comes in, I try and not pay attention to it. That's about 52% of my approach to life, I'd say. The other 48%, I can recognize opportunities when they come along for learning, for connection with other people. And I'm lucky to be in this, um, this sangha that supports the 48% of me that, that can help me connect with other people. Uh, and so in this appreciative inquiry exercise, I, be, I approached it at first from the standpoint, it's like, oh, I have to envision a future for Apamata. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then I, then I actually listened to Jessica Steinbacher, who put out a wonderful little movie uh, with, a, with a slideshow uh, describing more about the process, and I read more about the process, and realized that all I had to do for right now was to participate in the first step of the process. And the first step was asking questions for myself and for other, uh, one other person, who happened to be Stephanie Seidler, Let's see if it doesn't look like she's connected today. Um, but to ask some questions that remind that reminded me of the abundance in my life, not the lack 
in my life, not the things that I can't do, but to actually remember some things that have gone well and that are also important in my life. And that, so uh, I'm going to uh, give you these questions later if there's time. The questions that Stephanie and I and the other people participating in this process uh, asked of ourselves and of each other was first to remember a time when we participated with a group in something that was fulfilling to us and that benefited others and benefited the group. And to remember in some detail what that experience was like. Uh, and to really embrace that feeling. So where we were, who were the people we were connected with, what was the task, why did it matter to us, how was it helpful, those kinds of things. And then the next question, which is, um, uh, was a difficult one for me, was, Describe your best qualities to yourself. And there was careful wording in that. Even though you may feel uncomfortable, you feel like you're bragging or that this would be, this would be, you know, something that you wouldn't normally do. Think about what you would describe as your best qualities and what would someone who cares about you and knows you well say are your best qualities and then the next question was about what did i what what first connected me with Apamata? and what did i see that supported the best qualities of the, that i see in myself in Apamata, and what do I see that I offer to others at Apamata? And there was a fourth question about the future of Apamata, but that I just want to, what I'm going to be talking about is um, those three questions. And because I was also reading book called Alone with Others, published in 1983 by Stephen Batchelor, which is mostly about existential philosophy, but also Buddhism. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about the question of faith and what is, what is faith in, um, in Buddhism? So there are versions of Buddhism in which there is uh, a very strong belief and a strong dedication to a belief that uh, we live in a corrupt world and that if we do certain things, like chant Buddha's name and so on, we can later, through the intercession of a bodhisattva or the Buddha, be able to go into a pure land where we will not have the troubles that we have now. And um, I'm going to Click in that for more comments. Thank you. Um, there's that. And that, that type of belief is one, or, or faith, I think, 
one that is aligned with a, a definition that I was reading. Um, in general, faith has something to do with accepting some uncertain certain things as true, things that we cannot verify right now, um, that, that are generally as yet undetermined, but we will accept them as true while we go forward. Um, and, um, and belief is used interchangeably with faith in that sense, although belief tends to be, as I was reading in Stephen Batchelor, more of an intellectual proposition, that is, you accept certain facts as true, whereas faith goes beyond that to involve trust and commitment. So there's those elements. I do not myself have a feeling of trust and commitment invoked by thoughts of a pure land. But then I'm from my culture, not from another culture. And um, I, I'm just going to work with what I've got. Um, so what I have learned throughout the Mala, and again, the, the uh, AI process that we're engaged in has, has led me to think about this. But what I've learned from uh, Apamana and my talks with Peg and Flint and with so many other people in the Sangha and the readings that we've been guided on is uh, that the, the really the most important beliefs that I hold are ones that I would normally not even be aware of. That is the ones that arise out of my conditioning. Uh, some of those would go back to pre-verbal childhood experiences. Now, you know, I see many therapists who, you know, uh, who are participating today who know an awful lot more about this than I do. But at any rate, it is a, it's, it is a fact that we can discover for ourselves what our conditioning is with help from others. And in fact, that the Buddhist teachings offer a path for that discovery. Um, and just to see the condition, not necessarily to get rid of it, not necessarily to hang on to what you see in, in a way that will motivate you, but to give you the opportunity to act not totally within that condition. This is what Stephen Batchelor in his later book, um, Beyond Buddhism, defines as enlightenment. As we, uh, it always takes my breath away when I read this. That if you are not acting out of your conditioning, you are enlightened. You are acting in an enlightened way. That seems very simple compared to a lot of the more complex uh, conceptions that I know about from Buddhism. But simple doesn't mean easy. And once you begin examining your, your conditioning and seeing how it is a filter that uh, takes a lot of work to not uh, see through all the time. See through in the sense that I'm, I'm looking through my glasses. Um, that, that's, that's a difficult thing to maintain, but it is still a possibility. And that the Buddha, as a human being, not as 
a, a uh, otherworldly, uh, preternaturally, beyond human sort of person, as a regular human being, was able to have these insights and to have the the grace and the energy and the skill to share them in a way that is, has been possible for other people to learn from for 2,500 years or so. So, um, for me, Buddhist faith has, at least as it, as it has to do with my own conditioning, it's more like a suspension of disbelief. Uh, that I'm giving up, provisionally at least, the belief that what I know is unshakably right and that getting what I want right now is the most important thing in the world. Which I think is, you know, I mean, before I started my Buddhist practice, I was pretty sure that that was the truth, for me at least. Uh, so, a suspension of disbelief. And then I realized that suspension of disbelief requires several other qualities, which are also part of the Buddha's teachings. One of them is equanimity. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to try and hold on to this for right now, uh, or, or try to explore the possibilities for this right now. Uh, and another is uh, loving-kindness, another is compassion, the uh, uh, capacity to uh, encounter someone who's, you know, who's just cut you off in traffic or who is disagreeing with you politically or doing things that you really hate. And to think, instead of thinking, what a jerk and cursing them out to think everyone I meet is fighting a great battle all the time. I, mean, I know that's true for me. And to be able to remember that about other people, that's something that allows me to be able to sit through my condition. Uh, and, and then there's sympathetic joy in there as well, to be able to appreciate the quality of this whole world in our, in our lives together. So, excuse me, Joe, could you back up a minute? You said everyone something, and I missed it, and I think it's important. It's a, it's a phrase that I saw on a poster. It turns out it was written by a 19th century, it's often ascribed to the Buddha, but uh, that's not right. It's, it was first formulated by a 19th century American Methodist minister, and the wording is something like, Remember, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Thank you. So uh, I'll just, in, in practical terms, from my own Buddhist practice, I, I want to tell you story that I've again told many times, uh, and it has to do with my first meeting with Peg when I first started coming to Apamata. I had practiced for quite a while at Austin Zen Center. 
couple years, and I never had a good connection with the teacher there, mostly because of my own conditioning and projections, which at the time made me unwilling to talk to a teacher in any way that was honest or vulnerable or all the things that would have been helpful at that time. So I never had that. I thought that Buddhism was the, the practice and sitting still. I could see how my all, all the things in my mind that I had been trying to avoid and that those things would seem to be spinning faster and faster and faster as I tried to calm my mind. Uh, so I thought it was making me crazier instead of more settled. And I dropped out. I didn't do any practice for many years. In the meantime, I, I used to buy a bunch of Buddhist books, and sometimes I would even read them. And I actually read one by Stephen Batchelor that's been pretty much the most important thing that I've read. Uh, and that is a book called Buddhism Without Beliefs, in which he emphasizes that the Buddhist teachings are not a body of knowledge to be absorbed and repeated so much as a guide to ethical activity. And again, he makes the point in different words in this book that by seeing our conditioning, by seeing that uh, we have a false sense of self as being permanent and solid and so on, that in fact we can pay attention to the Buddhist teachings about how everything that we think is solid is in fact conditioned, rising out of emptiness, rising out of uh, conditions that will make it, you know, our life, our body, all those things that we have, all those people we care about, that they will all pass away and that everything is constantly changing and that it's a better way to live, to remember that, than to live in a, in a trance where you forget that. And that's what Stephen Batchelor was saying, that the Buddhist teachings offer. So this is a path out of that, a path out of the suffering that arises out of the clinging that we engage in, out of our mistaken belief in the solidity of our own personality and the rightness of our grasping and aversion. So I went to, the first time I came to Apamata on a Sunday, uh, Leela, I'm blanking on Leela's last name right now. Uh, Leela tapped me on the shoulder and she said, would you like to see Peg for practice discussion? And I knew from Austin Zen Center that I was supposed to request practice discussion and I had not done so. So I said, no. And Leela was like, okay. So just continued in walking meditation. Then later on, she explained to me that actually Peg had said she was available if I wanted to go see her. And I said, oh, okay. I was terrified at the idea. I mean, a Buddhist priest was going to talk to me and see into this nut house inside of me. Uh, so I sat down with Peg and she didn't look at me like that. She looked at me like someone who was not judging me, but was interested in what I had to say and had a view of me that was not going to be limited by the stories I was going to tell. 
So I told her some stories like my experience sitting at, at um, Austin Zen Center. And she said, oh, and I cut that off by saying, so I know I'm doing everything wrong. I just, I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to live my life. Just whatever I do, it's wrong. And she said, well, at least for meditation, you can't do it wrong. It's actually a body-centered practice. And your body is here in this world right now, and it's doing what it's doing, and that is right. Just sit still, pay attention to what arises, and that's all you need to do. And you don't have to calm your mind, you don't have to be any special way. Just allow yourself to recognize what's happening right now. So that was a transformative experience for me to hear that. Because I trusted her. I just immediately trusted her. And there was an element in what she said that I could recognize as verifiable. And of course, that's something that the Buddha emphasized about his own teachings. He said, do not accept what I have to say because of authority, but test, test out the effects in your own life. So I knew that I had the opportunity to do that exploration and that, and I knew that I could, that I could at least trust Peg enough to, to give it a shot. Yeah. So that was about 14 years ago. I've been connected with Apamata ever since. And um, there have been further challenges to that um, suspension of disbelief that I was describing before. Um, a lot of it comes from the, the way, the, the, the tenets of Mahayana Buddhism, the emphasis on emptiness and the uh, sectarian negation of uh, Theravadan teachings, what I've come to see is that there's not really that much of a gap between the Buddha's original teachings and the uh, even the most out there forms of Mahayana Buddhism. But here's something that, I've, I, that I often think about and that is a challenge to my suspension of disbelief. This is from Dogen from Jijuyo uh, Zamai, self-fulfilling self Samadhi. So Samadhi being a state of wakefulness, mindfulness um, that is beyond mindfulness. When even for a moment you express the Buddha's seal in the three actions by sitting upright in Samadhi, the whole phenomenal world becomes the Buddha's seal and the entire sky turns into enlightenment. Because of this, all Buddha Tathagatas, as the original source, increase their Dharma bliss and renew their magnificence in the awakened way. Furthermore, all beings in the Ten Directions and the Six Realms, including the Three Lower Realms, at once obtain pure body and mind, realize the great the, the state of great emancipation and manifest the original face. At this time, all things realize correct awakening. Myriad objects partake of the Buddha body and sitting upright under the Bodhi tree, 
you immediately leap beyond the boundary of awakening. At this moment, you turn the surpassably great Dharma wheel and expound the profound wisdom, ultimate and unconditioned. So that takes a great suspension of disbelief for me to think, wait, I'm turning the wheel of Dharma? Other people are participating in awakening through me just sitting here, even though my mind is all messed up? He says, Dogen, Dogen goes on to uh, talk about what this is. He says, however, all this does not appear within perceptions because it is uncon unconstructedness and stillness. It is immediate realization. If practice and realization were two things, as it appears to an ordinary person, each could be recognized separately. But what can be met with recognition is not realization itself, because realization is not reached by a deluded mind. In stillness, mind and object merge in realization and go beyond enlightenment. Nevertheless, because you are in the state of self-fulfilling samadhi, without disturbing its quality or moving a particle, you extend the Buddha's great activity, the incomparably profound and subtle teaching. Grass, trees, and lands, which are embraced by this teaching, together radiate a great light and endlessly expound, expound the inconceivable, profound Dharma. So again, it's relatively easy for me to believe, that is, to accept in a kind of intellectual way, that everything in this world has Buddha nature. Just look around. There it is. And I'm reminded of the wonderful story that Flint tells of his teacher, Ron Chartman, who said to him, one day he was saying, well, I think I'm doing pretty well in meditation. I'm calming my mind and so on. And Lynch said, you don't do zazen. Zazen does zazen. It is the unfolding of the universe that you're celebrating a ceremony And Flint has taught this many times, very beautifully. So again, it takes some suspension of disbelief for me to accept that I can have any effect in this world. And, and even that I can see my way through all these layers of conditioning that I have. But that, that suspending that disbelief gives me at least the opportunity to make the effort, to sit down, to sit upright, to breathe, and to engage in this ceremony of gratitude and appreciation that is as, as the entire universe unfolds moment by moment even with me in it. It's pretty amazing. And I want to go back to those questions that I was describing at the beginning. If you're someone that's stuck in a um, closed mindset, 
uh, it's pretty hard to think that anything Dogen says, that anything Peg has told us, that anything Flint has told us, that anything you read in the Buddhist scriptures, that those things could be true, at least for oneself. If, however, you can suspend that belief long enough to let in the heartening influence of beneficial actions that you can remember that you've engaged in, of qualities that someone who cares about might see in you, and of things that connect you with the Buddhist teachings, with the Buddhist path, with Ahamada, with what you can do in sharing with other people in your life, and particularly with spiritual friends, what you can do, what being open to that can give you. But if you can do, if you can kind of ask yourself those questions, but that gives you a different stance to approach the Buddha's teachings uh, uh, and to approach your whole life and what you can do. So again, I'm sure that many people who are hearing me are like, Joel, why do you have to go through, why do you have to slog through all this stuff just to get to what anybody would see as a possibility? Well, this is my, this is my path. And this is what I can share, is to say, I have to slog through this stuff. This is where, I've, this is where I started from, and this is where I am right now, and this is how I got to where I am right now. And this is where I hope to be able to go in the future. So, I hope that's beneficial to hear about all that stuff. So, it is now, according to this clock, 10.32. And I would like to suggest um, a small group activity and you uh, write down right now these questions. Think of a time when you were involved, let's say involved with other people, in an activity that was meaningful to you and that benefited others. What was it that you felt then? What mattered to you about it? What can you see in, within that experience that is positive for your life now? And a second question. Think of someone that you care about and that cares about you. What would that person say would be your best qualities or the qualities that they most cherish about you? And if it's possible within your conditioning to do that for yourself as well, reflect on your own 
qualities. This is very hard for some people. But if you can, think about yourself in that way. And whatever it is, when these, when the answers to that question come to you, do something to physically embrace that, the feeling that arises. Put your hand on your heart or touch your lips. These are things that affect your parasympathetic nervous system and help you embody and to take into your body the results of these thoughts. And then finally, the third question. What in your experience at Apamata, even though it may be brief, or I'll say at, at, at Apamata, or through the Buddha's teachings, or through any path that you embrace and are willing to give your trust and commitment to, what about that gives you life, gives you a feeling of equanimity, a feeling of uh, possibility, a feeling of compassion and loving kindness, a feeling of sympathetic joy, the four brown hearts. What are things in Apamata or on your path that awaken the four brown hearts in you? Okay, so it is 10.35 now. Let's take 15 minutes in small groups. And please, if you would, decide, you know, assign people and you decide how big the group should be. I'm guessing no more than three, maybe only two, but that's just my guess. And uh, let's come back together at 10.50. So you want to be in a group, Joel? Yes.
the meditation book. Yeah, I want a piece. I don't think you can. I think we did that group thing closed. Maybe oh. when we're all together, if you want to, you can. So is there anyone that uh, would like to share uh, either from the group discussion that they participated in or uh, uh, from their own reflections and anything that surprised them about their own reflections? Uh, Bill, hi. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, am, an, am an introvert and uh, uh, but I like challenges. I, I like problems that I can solve. Uh, and I look at life as a series of problems. That, but, but I have an optimism that uh, these are problems I can solve, whatever they, whatever they turn out to be. And the times when I have felt, felt uh, good about being a participant uh, are things like working with the Boy Scout troop and taking them on long hikes. Uh, when we were, we were sponsors for a high school group in a church, we took them on a hike, as a matter of fact, uh, with animals. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I felt very good about that. I felt good, very good about a ceremony they had where everybody was in a circle and you went around the circle and you could say whatever you wanted to about the person, each person. And, you know, people, people saw a lot in each other. So there were a lot of great statements that night. And, the, and I, I had with us, we had with us uh, children. Uh, one was a girl who was seven, seven, in seventh grade, I guess. The other was a much younger boy. And the people around this group said nice things about them as if they were equals. And that was a really good feeling. And you were able to see the effects of that on those children. What? Is that right? See the effects on the children. Oh, yes. Huh? They, they, they appreciated very much what was said about them. Thank you. Um, did anyone have any surprises to arise from the second question? Thinking about your own best qualities or what someone that you care about would say about your best qualities. Any surprises or, or just anything that you would want to share about that? That's a tough one. Everybody wants to talk about their own best qualities. It's funny. Even if you're putting the words into somebody else's mouth. Mm -hmm. the, um, the point of these questions, at least in the uh, AI process, is not the, 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 the questions don't matter in and of themselves, or the answers to the questions don't matter in and of themselves so much as the fact that you are stepping outside of the normal closed mindset where you focus on what you lack 
you've done wrong, what other people might not like about you. Step outside that just long enough to answer these questions. And that puts you in a different frame of mind for envisioning the future than if you had not done that. So that's what, that's why the process goes on this way. Kim? Yeah, something I really appreciate about the process is that it wants to hear from everyone in an organization. And typically in an organization, not everyone is heard. Um, something that came up for me today that didn't come up when I did the interview last week, uh, earlier this week, I guess, was um, how uh, strongly I felt that I see, see optimism in whatever situation we're in. And this is a tough time to be optimistic, but somehow um, I grew up with um, especially a mother who was very optimistic about everything. And, um, and also a father who wouldn't get too upset with uh, anything that was happening. And I, I just think that's uh, something that I can contribute is optimism. So, uh, Rosemary? Yeah, I just, um, something came to me about what, how others might see me. Um, I, I'm a therapist and I work with a psychiatrist who sees some of my patients. And we were talking about one of them and we uh, began to talk about a few of them. And she said, you know, um, well, so-and-so is like, she's really um, following in your path. She's getting, she's doing really well. She's getting a master's in social work. And, and I'm thinking, oh, I guess, I guess I am helping. And um, the other one, she also, who's in an, a graduate program as well. And, you know, they're really, and it just, it was, you know, Sometimes it um, it does take somebody else to shine that um, mirror on the good that you might be doing. So I just wanted to, it didn't come to me during our little group, but it just came to me now. Thank you. Thank you. So Juan Carlos, I think that last weekend was your first connection with Apamata, is that right? Hey, Glenn, do you say Glenn? Well, the Glenn, uh, you mentioned, I, I believe it was last week, that Glenn had had suggested that you check out uh, a, a session at Apamata. That's and I forget if that was last Sunday or... It was, it, it's like two weekends ago, I think. Two weekends ago. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Well, at any rate... Um, we, we had a retreat in junction with him. But, ah. but in regarding your, your question, I did have a little trouble with it because you mentioned that somebody close to you, so I keep shifting persons, you know? Uh, I said, oh, what about if this person, what does this person close to me thinks of me? Or then I said, well, that person may be too close as I change that to other person. So I began to have a little conflict about whether those two persons will agree. <laughs> In, in my qualities, my good qualities, but uh, but it, it was a good exercise, definitely. Sure. Yeah. If, so, if I may, I wanted to. Olivia, yes. 
Yes, if I may, I wanted to uh, say to Rosemary that um, when you know somebody for a long time and they're, they are, have been respectful to be in, in a friendly relationship, that they don't say much, when they do, it resounds so loudly. It's wonderful. Uh, I guess in a way, kind of, my sister is a little bit like that. She, I, I give a lot, but she doesn't. So once in a while, she drops a comment and it is such a gem that it just makes a, the lake waves. So yes, you are making a difference. <laughs> Thank you. All of us make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you. Joel, may I go to something that you said you have a hard time? Um, I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember your exact words. Trusting or believing or completely holding. Please. So, because as, as we were answering the third question about what brought us or kept us to Apamada, um, keeps us here, um, what attracted us, um, I so resonated with the words of one breath moves the heavens and, and, the, and, and the earth and the oceans because the minute I set foot on this property, mine was a fully embodied experience. I'd not read anything about Buddhism, really didn't know much about it. I had been told what a lovely group this was and it and the words that I heard resonated with what I was looking for and wanted in my life to support my own life. But it was the minute I set foot on the grounds that I felt all the love and care and years of inquiry and um, supportive fellowship without ever having heard one Dharma talk. And and that made me stay. So I think one breath can move the heavens and the earth. And I think one step on yeah. sacred ground can change a life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. John Miller? You have to unmute. I'm sorry, I think I did not hear a question that was asked of me just a moment ago because my phone rang. Was there something I should respond to? I, I don't think so. Okay. All right, thank you. Very good. Well, um, I wanna thank Kathy and Scott who I got to be in a, in a breakout group with. And it, it was wonderful to learn more about you and to hear about these great things and that you shared. Uh, I want to say, uh, to, to uh, amplify what Kim was saying, that, the, that appreciative inquiry works best if everyone in an organization is uh, participating in it. So it's not too late. Uh, Jessica, 
spine bottom line, when you can reach through the Appamata, uh, this serve is doing the enormous amount of work of coordinating this. But uh, out of her incredible generosity, and, and, and there are others as well, but um, your voice would make a difference. Juan Carlos, Scott, uh, Becky, Maria, or Becky and Maria, are you participating? You don't, you know, you don't have to be here. Uh, Maria, I don't really know anything about it. Joel, uh, this, this, this stage that we're doing is just the board members and the councils. Okay, great. Sorry. <laughs> but there will, the second stage will be the entire Sangha. Okay, so, all right, that's good. That's good. Well, when the time comes, please participate. That'll be great. Yeah, I knew that all the names that I saw were people on other councils. But then I'd seen something, you know, I just heard Kim say, you know, we all need to participate first to be most effective. So that's why I popped up with that. But when the time comes, please do. Uh, so it is now 11.03. Let's um, prepare for service. Uh, I'm going to light some incense here and then uh, ring some bells and say some chants, and then we will finish for today. I so appreciate your participation. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. This has been lovely.
in offering incense, observing silence, and discussing faith and appreciative inquiry, we extend compassionate care to and all those who are gravely ill, lacking basic necessities, or suffering violence in the world in thought, word, or deed. May they be serene through all their suffering, and may they, together with all beings, realize the awakened way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding with self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Let us be respectfully reminded, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by, and with it our only chance. Each of us must strive to awaken. Be aware, do not squander our life. I'm supposed to walk out now, and then the timekeeper would normally read the next part, but I'm going to do this, unless you can do it, Anne. You can? Okay, good. Appamata programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. Thank you for your support. There is a site for contributions on the website. Um, so thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you.
Thank you, Anne. Thank you, everyone. I apologize for the fumbles there. My my legs. I must be dehydrated or something. I was having leg cramps. So. I wish you all a wonderful day. May whatever arises lead to awakening. <laughs>